The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John. Jesus said, All that the Father gives to me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except him who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that no one may eat of it, not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Gospel of the Lord. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. In May of 1996, a surprise blizzard overcame a very skilled climbing team on Mount Everest. In the best-selling book titled Into Thin Air, the author tells of the deadly hazards that plagued the climbers on that, tragic, on that tragic climb. The expedition was a disaster. Eight people lost their lives. Some of the circumstances were out of their control, but mistakes and bad decisions were made also. One of the leaders who lost his life that day was a guy by the name of Andy Harris. Andy had stayed at the peak past a deadline that the leaders had set for themselves. And during his descent, Andy was overcome by the need for additional oxygen. Andy radioed his situation to the base camp, stating that he had come upon a supply of empty oxygen canisters that had been left by a previous team. But he told them that they were all empty. Those in the base camp knew that they weren't empty. They had passed those on their way down the mountain, and they knew that they were all full. The problem was, the lack of what Andy needed, the lack of what Andy needed, that being oxygen, was disoriented, by, disoriented his mind. 
which made him think the canisters were empty, yet they were all full. Friends, what oxygen is to our bodies, the bread of life is to our souls. What oxygen is to our bodies, the bread of life is to our souls. Without that bread, we are disoriented, making all other hungers in life hard to accurately perceive. In a like manner, absence of the bread of life over a prolonged time makes the bread itself seem meaningless. Life is meant to be lived to the fulfillment of one need and one love that define all other fulfillments. Friends, that one need, that one love, is the need for the love of Jesus, the bread of life. Jesus references this bread 15 times in this series that we're going through. 15 times he mentions the word bread. And multiple times he says that I am the bread of life that meets their every need. So in review this morning, we need to think back. This is all occurring after Jesus had miraculously met the physical needs of the masses by feeding the thousands from the fishes and loaves that he multiplied. But he was declaring today that he would also meet their spiritual needs as well. Jesus used something material and tangible to teach a profound spiritual truth. Using this metaphor of bread, Jesus was telling them and all of us here today what physical bread is to the body, he is to our very souls. His words were intended to lift these listeners from their barren food existence to the recognition and acknowledgement of the supreme hunger in life. A hunger that only can be filled by Jesus in a relationship with him, the bread of life. Food and power blind the mind to the need of nourishment and strength of soul. As usual, many failed to pause here long enough to absorb Jesus' words and his teaching, and they missed this life-transforming power contained in this truth that he reveals today. Being that we are both physical and spiritual beings, our deepest hungers cannot be met by the perishable things of this life. In fact, we unpacked that last week at the beginning of this message. But today, but today we hear Jesus repeating this truth again, which shows the importance and the significance of what's before us. Folks, we're living in the midst of the greatest affluence this world has ever known. Yet there is a gnawing emptiness deep within countless souls. It's often accompanied by feelings of dissatisfaction and disillusionment. You can live in the most finely appointed home and still not know love. You can drive the most finely engineered car in the world and still find yourself lost going in the wrong direction in life. At this very moment, right now, there are millions of people in churches just like you. And they have been drawn here like we were by God, just as Jesus reveals in verse 40 of this text today. And they came for all kinds of various reasons. Some came out of habit. <laughs> And I would tell you now that's a good habit. It certainly beats some of the habits I think this center and many of us could say that we partake in in our lives earlier in our journeys. The truth is, my friends, people 
are drawn to church to be by God today for one real reason, and that is to be fed. You came here today to be fed. We came here because we have a need, and that need that nothing else and no one else on this earth can ever fill. We come to dwell in the Lord's presence, to seek the Lord's blessings, to commune at His table, to be fed, to be fed by both word and sacrament. And we come because we're hungry. And Jesus knew something about hungry folks. Knowing that we need food daily, He taught us to pray, give us our daily bread. But Jesus also knew that we had a much deeper, deeper hunger in our hearts and in our lives. You see, we all have an intrinsic hunger for meaning and purpose. Without adequate meaning and purpose, life is, as Ernest Hemingway put this, just a dirty trick, a short journey from nothingness to nothingness. Wow. <laughs> what a hopeless plea from, from a human being right there. But sadly, many today feel that way, don't they? It takes more than money, fame, possessions, or power to get over our lives true meaning and purpose. As the chosen that are sitting before me today, we hunger to know and to serve our Creator. It's among the true disciples' greatest inherent need within us. We also have a built-in need to worship something more powerful, more transcendent. Lord only knows there are many that worship themselves in this world and countless other things. Let me go there today. Many worship things like money, possessions, power, and pleasure. But as we learned last week and we talked about, they won't suffice because they can never get enough of those things. They can never be satisfied by them. We need to worship our Savior Jesus who can satisfy our every need. Today we pick up this teaching in the continuation of this Bread of Life Discourse series. And we're going to pick it up at Jesus' words in verse 47. So I'd like for you to follow along with me. Truly, truly. Okay, double heads up, folks. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. I would have loved to have seen him saying this. Just to see the expression on his life, in his, in his life, how he would convey that. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Well, today we hear Jesus once again repeat the same words he said last week. He tells them and tells us, he who believes... He who believes won't hunger, won't thirst, and will live eternal life. As we just said last week, one of the two main themes found in John's gospel is the deity of Jesus and the fact that we must believe in Jesus. Believing is the key. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. 
I think it's safe to say this morning amongst this skilled team before me that we can all agree that believing is the key. In fact, as we know, John's gospel closes out telling us it's the purpose for the book. That you may believe, and by believing you would have eternal life. So the question comes today that we've agreed on the believing piece. Believe in exactly what? Well, believe that Jesus is the bread of life. He says it five times in this text. It's all about believing. Believe in his preexistence. Believe in his incarnation. Believe in his holy word. Believe in his glorious promises. Believe in his promises. But not only must we believe in Jesus as the bread of life, the living bread came down from heaven, we must believe in his dying blood. Notice what verse 51 reveals to us this morning. And the bread that came down from heaven, if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. At that moment, Jesus is first alluding to pouring out his body and blood to us and for us. And let me point out right here that in this first of the great I Ams that appear in John's Gospel, Jesus also makes another first pronouncement. And that is the pronouncement he just made of his pending payment and atonement for our sins. And that would have shocked these people that heard this. That would have been very difficult for them to understand. He was now talking about giving up his life and that would have floored them. But it gets a lot worse next week when he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And that's when many of them walk away. They're not ready for these shocking words. These disciples and these first hearers of this word did not yet understand what Jesus was speaking about. But it would become clear to them the Last Supper. And it would become fully clear to them at Pentecost. To eat his flesh and drink his blood means that we are to believe and take him in. Take in his life and atoning death. Take it into the core of our lives, into the core of our beings. The eating and the drinking of Jesus is a requirement of believing and receiving him. The one who believes, who feeds on God's word, is the one he is talking to. To partake of Christ is to take him. Take Him in and make Him a vital part of our lives daily, every day. Not just one hour on Sunday. It's not enough. In fact, did you realize that 95% of what you hear is lost in 72 hours? That's bad news for a pastor. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is that's the truth. 95% goes in and three days later you don't remember any of it. So I would recommend there taking notes. Because the shortest principle is better than the longest memory. To partake of Christ, my friends, is to open our hearts to His presence and influence daily. To commit to a life of true discipleship daily. By spending time in His life-giving Word. By spending time with Him in prayer and just talking to Him. It's not something that requires us to go to our knees or find a special spot. I talk with Jesus all day. That's prayer. That's what we're looking for, a relationship with Him. He seeks biblical study and meditation where you can hear from Him as well, daily. It's to feed upon His words and internalize them. It's to surrender to His Lordship. 
is to allow Him to influence our thinking and change our desires. Think of it like this. If you've got a bookcase in your house, and on your bookcase is a book that you've never read, well, no matter how great that book is, it will remain external to you until you pick it up, take it off the shelf, read it, and take it in. The same way with Jesus. The same way it is with Him. As long as He remains just a figure in a book or someone we hear about in a sermon once a week, He's still external to us. But when He enters our hearts, when He enters your heart and lives by faith within you, you can truly feed upon Him each and every day and He will nourish and sustain you each and every day. Through this metaphor that Jesus was using, He was basically saying, stop thinking about me as a subject of theological debate and see me as more than just a prophet or a teacher. I want you to take me in as your Lord and Savior and then allow me to come into your heart and be at the center of your life, guide you, direct you. Just as food cannot nourish us unless we eat it, you can have some good food in front of you. If you don't eat it, it's going to do you any good. Jesus can't nourish our souls unless we take Him in. We must receive Him and feed upon Him daily. As we heard in the Old Testament reading this morning, man doesn't live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Commentator William Barclay says this on this text. Jesus meant that we must take His life into the core of our hearts. This metaphor of eating is used to impress upon us the truth that we receive life, true life, spiritual life, spiritual nourishment through one thing, and that is through Jesus Christ, the bread of life. And something else wonderful happens when we take this bread of life in. Verse 51 also reveals that whoever eats this bread will live forever. That's a pretty big promise. Through believing and taking Christ in, we're given the gift of eternal life. We can therefore be absolutely certain of our place in heaven. That's an amazing promise. That's the beauty of the bread of life. It meets our deepest needs, not only on this earthly journey, which is but a blink, but also in the journey to come, which is forever. Looking back at verse 49, there was a reference, in fact, to the miraculous provision of manna, the bread from heaven that God gave the Israelites as they were bumbling around for 40 years in the wilderness not being obedient, not following Him, complaining all the time. They fed on it and met their physical and temporal needs, but they all died in their sins. Maybe you know someone who has bumbled around in the wilderness for a season in their life. Maybe they still are. They're desperately in need of something more spiritually nourishing than the things that we think are going to bring satisfaction in this life. Friends, Jesus came to this earth. He came here to offer us and those people that He was speaking that day something far better than that. He offered them the, the bread of life that would sustain them always. Not just the day when they were hungry, when they were wandering around wondering where the next meal is going to be. It's far greater than that. Ecclesiastes 3.11 tells us that God set eternity in our hearts. God set eternity in your heart. We have an innate, God-given hunger for life beyond the grave, for eternal life, for renewed fellowship with our Creator. 
from whom we, out of lack of belief, separated ourselves in the garden, where it all came apart. But we have that innate desire to go back to him. If you've ever moved, and I've moved many times, you always feel like you want to go back somewhere. You want your homesickness for something you thought was good where you were at. That's given to every single one of us because we're supposed to be in heaven. We have an eternal home, a mansion built for us, waiting on us. Friends, as things of this world continue to leave us empty, disillusioned, and dissatisfied, we long for a life that will transcend this earthly pilgrimage. We internally yearn to the abundant life and eternal life that only Jesus can provide. Jesus plainly states here today, the one who believes in him will live even though he die. That's a glorious promise. Amen? Amen. By taking in the bread of life, we can experience a deep fulfillment in our souls and renewed eternal fellowship with our Creator. If we only believe, and through believing, take Him into our hearts daily. We're going to come to this table in a minute and take Him in. And that's what we value. Above all things, because He's poured out His blood for us to equip us and to walk with us. But sadly, the tendency for many is to push that offer away. Many people will push this offer away. They'll push away the soul food that Jesus can provide as the bread of life that will sustain us and nourish us forever. Let me close with this true story. There was a fishing village in Maine that had fallen into destitute condition. The town council decided to hold a public meeting to try to resolve their growing financial problems. The meeting that day was attended by a stranger. The stranger tried many times to speak in the meeting, but the townspeople never allowed him to get a word in, interrupting him every single time he tried. The locals didn't want an outsider to get involved. But a late arriving councilman who saw the visitor leaving as this guy was walking in, he asked him, what was he doing here? What did he say? Did he make an offer or anything for us? Well, the unknown members of that council then asked him, well, who was he? And the guy replied, it was John Rockefeller. I helped moor his yacht out in the harbor. Rockefeller had come to help them. He had come to offer them something that could help them. How often, folks, does Jesus come to us, but we don't recognize him? How often does he try to speak to us, but we don't know him, we don't have a relationship with him? How often does he try to knock on the door of our hearts and say, come on in and be with me, and we don't take him into our hearts? You see, these were very controversial words when Jesus said them long ago. They were hard for people to swallow. And that gift is still hard for people to swallow today. And it still amazes me. But that world out there is full of them. And sadly, after hearing those words, we find in the verses to come before we close out this sixth chapter that many did walk away. Many of his so-called disciples only wanted Jesus for what they could get from him temporarily. And they walked away. You see, this sixth chapter of John, my friends, provides one of the first glimpses of what true discipleship is really all about. Most had no interest in true discipleship with Jesus. 
or a relationship with it. And we'll read about that in the 66th verse of this chapter. We'll preach into it. Most only wanted the healings. They wanted the free food. They wanted oppression. They wanted the oppression from the Romans to be taken from their lives. True discipleship. True discipleship. Well, maybe not. We're not going to get to true discipleship. <laughs> but we're going to try it because that's what we're here for. True discipleship, friends, is about believing and receiving. True discipleship is about committing and serving. It's about nurturing and growing a personal relationship with Jesus, our Savior. The most important thing you will do in this life is to believe that truth and believe this truth is promised to us today. Jesus is the bread of life that nourishes our souls into and through eternity. What oxygen is to the body, the bread of life is to our souls. Feed upon him daily by faith with thanksgiving. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.